The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show, and you know what this month is, right? This is the month every year that we celebrate the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, this July 26th will be the 19th year celebration. So every year we have all these disability leaders, and oh my goodness, oh, what a way to start off the month. We have two powerhouses. First, we have Mr. Kelly Buckland, who is the new executive director of Nickel and truly a civil rights leader. And when he steps off in a few minutes, we also have, are you ready for this one? Yes, get ready, Senator Thomas Harkin. How about that? Is that awesome or what? And before we get started with Kelly, I do have an announcement to make. Again, I have another friend and someone I admire who was sworn in last Monday to the Obama administration. She is the Senior Advisor of Disability Issues for the Department of Homeland Security, FEMA, Miss Marcy Roth. Marcy, congratulations to you. And just let me tell you, she is the real deal Get ready. And so is our first guest, Kelly Buckland. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Joyce. So, Glad Kelly, before we get started, and again, congratulations as the new head of Nickel. How about telling our listeners when you first got involved in the disability community and why? Uh, well, uh, geez, interestingly enough, I got involved in the disability community uh, back in 19... 19- uh, 79, I moved to a small town in Idaho and, uh, uh, kind of consistent with the Obama administration, there were some community organizers working in the town and they were, uh, organizing some people around disability rights stuff and, uh, a man by the name of Roger Sherman spoke to me and, uh, got me involved and, uh, then I moved from there up to doing some statewide, uh, legislative work and then, uh, got involved in independent living, and uh, now I'm the director at Nickel. So, and the reason that I did it was because so much of the independent living uh, stuff just really uh, the whole uh, voice of independent living just really spoke to me, and it grabbed me. And I came to my first uh, Nickel conference in uh, 1989, and that was when uh, Nickel marched on the White House to try to get. Uh, ADA passed, and uh, so fitting for this month, uh, that whole thing just hooked me, and I, I was uh, wanted to work in disability and civil rights from then on, and, ha- and have been doing that. And then just one little 
Uh, interesting fact, too, Joyce, that you may not know. Uh, I broke my neck uh, in on July 26, 1970. So the ADA was actually passed, or was signed, I should say, on the 20th anniversary of me uh, getting a disability. Unbelievable. No, I did not know that. Wow, well, you, that, that is unbelievable. Was that even on the day? Now, how, how did that change your life, Kelly? Uh, the ADA or breaking my neck? Breaking your neck. Well, it, it changed it like in almost every way. And uh, I, I have to say, I think it made a, a much better person out of me. I, I really, uh, I think, appreciated life more and uh, what life has to offer in it. Uh, made me appreciate other people more too, I think, and so and it uh, it introduced me to, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, the helping professions, and uh, I was so amazed that you could actually get paid to do things that helped other people, and so uh, it really did change my life totally. Uh, I would have probably never gone to college had I not done that, and. Uh, I think I'm probably a better husband and a better father and just a generally a better person for having had a disability and, and uh, all the stuff that comes along with it. I can see why you are so highly spoken of, Kelly. You see what I mean, listeners, when I tell you we're starting off with a great show for this month. What a tremendous attitude. But, see, it is those that give back. It is those that give back that always are my kind of people and do so much to change the world. And, you know, Kelly, I am just very happy to have you as the new head of Nickel. How about, how about if you tell all of our listeners a little bit about Nickel, you know, and what you do at Nickel? Okay, well, uh, I've actually been involved in Nickel for quite a while, Joyce. I've, uh, I think I got on the board as a, uh, regional rep about uh, oh, 10, 10, 12 years ago, and then I ran for vice president, and uh, which oversees all of the advocacy committees, and uh, served in that capacity for four years, and then uh, as president for four. Now, the executive director. So it's kind of a, a real switch in roles for me because I've gone from being the president of the board that oversaw the executive director. And now I'm the executive director, and I'm overseen by the same board that I was on just a little while ago. So it's it's a bit of a role switch, and it's uh, but it's good. It's a, it's a good relationship, and uh, it's just a little different, is all. And uh, for those that, that don't know about Nickel, we're uh, about 27 years old now. Uh, Nickel basically is the oldest. Um, <laughs> Cross disability uh, organization that's been working on uh, civil rights issues for people with disabilities, and when, um, we were started um, about 27 years ago by some people who thought that centers for independent living and uh, and people with disabilities needed a voice in Washington D.C. and so. Uh, People like Judy Human and uh, Marka Bristow and uh, Max Starkloff and uh, uh, a few others started up uh, Nickel and uh, we're still here. And 
basically trying to be a voice for the independent living movement in the nation's capital. In fact, this morning I was up uh, on the hill at a, a markup hearing on the uh, Class Act. So uh, that's the kind of stuff that we work on. And what is your website there, Kelly? Uh, the website is pretty easy to remember. It's www.ncil.org. Okay, well, this is a great group to support, and I would encourage all of you to go to that website and read more about Nickel. Um, and, Kelly, I know you're going to be back with us later on in the show, but before you leave, I wanted to ask you, um, our guest today is Senator Thomas Harkin. Uh, what do you think about that man? Well, what what can you say about Tom Harkin? I mean, there is no finer champion for people with disabilities than Senator Harkin. He has done so much for the disability movement. I mean, uh, in fact, he the hearing that I was at on Class Act today, I mean, he was there. So, I mean, he is there for people with disabilities at every turn and every uh, chance he gets. And uh, I'm just so inspired by him. He's, he's uh, such a great gentleman and such a great man. Yes, he is. And he is the real deal. And he has been at everything from the beginning of time committed to the disability community. All of you need to know that because I tell people, get educated. Know who's out there speaking up for you. Because let me tell you what, if you don't have a disability now, you will at some time in your life. And at that point, you really want to know who is it, who's out there fighting for you. And I can tell you that Senator Thomas Harkin is always there. And, Kelly, I want to tell you how inspired we are to have you as the new head of Nickel and that I want all of the listeners here to go to ncil.org, read more about Nickel, and make a contribution to Nickel. Um, do, you, do you have an event coming up, Kelly? Uh, we just finished our annual conference. That's our biggest event. The next one would be, I guess, the board meeting, which is in uh, Phoenix, Arizona this year in September. Well, if you want to follow we, what he's doing... We, I'm so sorry, we do ahead. have ongoing uh, trainings that happen, and those will be on the website. And then uh, I would also encourage people to join as members and get involved in NICL. And well, we'll talk about that when you come back later in the show. Kelly will be back with us to end the show, but right now we've got to go to break. You are listening to Joyce Bender and Kelly Buckland as we celebrate the 19th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? 
fun at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. And as you know, what do we do every July for the past five years on this show? We celebrate the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And I cannot begin to tell you how humbled and how honored I am to have as our guest right now Senator Thomas Harkin, who is, as many of you know, champion of hope for all Americans with disabilities. He is the real deal. He is a great statesman. He has fought the crusade for Americans with disabilities from the beginning of time. Senator Harkin, it is an honor to have you with us today. Well, Joyce, it's nice to be with you. Nice to hear your voice. Thank you for all that you do to keep people with disabilities informed and uh, up-to-date on current events. Uh, I just applaud you for that. and I just want you to know I'm not that old. I haven't been here since the beginning of time. <laughs> <laughs> no, he hasn't been here since the beginning of the time. He's just been here since we've been fighting for this. But, you know, you were there at the signing of the ADA, that's for sure. Yes, and I was the chief sponsor of the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, in fact, the bill's got my name on it, uh, and uh, I proudly have a, a copy of it uh, signed by President Bush, of course, uh, hanging in my office. Well, you know, I remember when I was at the Smithsonian Institute of History, and I saw the video of you, um, and I'm going to let you talk about that later, but what you were doing when you gave your testimony, and it just overwhelmed me. I talk about that all the time. But first, we will talk about how did you first get involved as an advocate for this community, Senator Harkin? Well, Joyce, it started with my older brother, Frank, uh, who became deaf at a very early age as a very young boy. He became deaf. Uh, he was about six years old at the time. And then I just saw what happened to him during his life and how he was treated and and how, because he was totally deaf, how uh, he was, um, you know, uh, his his horizons were always limited by other people. Uh, uh, at an early age, he, uh, he was taken away from our home and sent halfway across the state for the to the Iowa School for the Deaf, and uh, and people called it the Iowa School for the Deaf and Dumb. 
And my brother once said to me, he said, I may be deaf, but I'm not dumb. Mm-hmm. And uh, just uh, how he was treated, how I watched how he proceeded through his life and and all of the hurdles he had to go over just because he was deaf, everything from getting a driver's license to getting a job, getting to school, trying to become what he wanted to become. It was just one hurdle after another. And I, I said, if I ever got in a position to do something about it, I'm, I was going to try to do something about it. And so... As fate would have it, I became a congressman and then later a senator and, and became chairman of the Disability Policy Subcommittee in the United States Senate. And then that led to my authorship, my, my uh, sponsorship of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Now, one other intervening thing happened in there. Along the way, my nephew, uh, my sister's boy, uh, Kelly, uh, was in the Navy. He was serving on an aircraft carrier, and he inadvertently got sucked down a jet engine on the deck of an oh. aircraft carrier. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it was just awful. He's 19 years old, big strapping boy, and and uh, uh, and he lived. Uh, he had a helmet on, fortunately. He lived, but uh, became a very severe paraplegic. Actually, he's almost quadriplegic, but he got some of the use of his hands and arms back, uh, enough that he could, had a van built, and, and then he could, you know, he could drive his van and became quite self-sufficient. Then I got to see how... The problems he had, like when he got on disability from the Navy, then he wanted to go to school. And he couldn't get to classrooms. <laughs> you know, and the school wouldn't move the classes. So a lot of times he didn't want to take a class, couldn't get to a class because he couldn't get his wheelchair in there. And so I just saw how that, how he got discriminated against. And he couldn't travel. He, it was just one barrier after another. I mean, even getting across the street. He couldn't get across the street because of the curbs and stuff. Well, he finally got enough strength in his arms. He could do it, but he's always afraid of tipping over. And so today we have curb cuts everywhere. So those those two people in my life, uh, more than anybody else or anything else, uh, led me to become an advocate for changes in our laws, for structural changes, for whatever we can do to take away the man-made barriers to people with disabilities. Well, <clears throat> Senator Harkin, as a woman with epilepsy and a hearing loss, and as someone that has hired now many people with disabilities, on behalf of all of them, I want to thank you for all you have done. And I know you're the, I know you're the real deal. I see you. I see you at meetings. I see you taking times, you know, to talk to people with disabilities when they go up to you. You are such a powerful statesman from the great state of Iowa, uh, but you always take time, and you have done so much for us, and I just want to applaud you for that. Well, Joyce, you're, you're way too complimentary. I've had a lot of good people with me through the years and good staff people and a lot of people in the disability community that uh, that uh, once they started getting their voice and uh, started organizing, uh, I know you just had Kelly Buckland on, uh, a great advocate, Nickel. They've been just in the forefront of this battle also, ADAPT, all, all the different groups out there. It's just, I tell you, it's been a labor of love for me, and uh, and I've just loved every minute of working with, uh, with the entire disability community from physical disabilities to uh, mental disabilities to uh, uh, developmental disabilities, the whole panoply of, of people that uh, that have disabilities in our country. It's just been a, a great labor of love. And, 
And, you know, I guess I've been here long enough, Joyce, to look back and say, you know, we got some things done. Yes, that's right. I just want to mention to the listeners, remember before I mentioned about Senator Harkin that one day I'm at the Smithsonian I'm Institute of History and <clears throat> I'm looking and it's showing Senator Harkin when he was in Senate, when he was giving his testimony to try to get the ADA signed. So you all know this, in sign language. In sign language. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, it just overwhelmed me when I saw that you did that. And I hope that everyone in the deaf community knows that because I doubt they've seen that before in Senate. Well, no, they had never seen it before. In fact, I got up to speak in sign language, and I hadn't cleared it with anyone. And um, I remember Senator Kerry, Senator Bob Kerry, a uh, Medal of Honor winner from Vietnam, was sitting in the chair presiding. And every time he's now the uh, the uh, uh, president of the New School University up in New York, every time he sees me, he always says, you know, how all of a sudden everything just stopped. People in the galleries, everybody just stopped because they didn't know what was going on. And here I was signing this speech. And uh, it was um, quite a quite a profound moment. And I uh, I enjoyed doing it. Of course, I learned sign language from my brother, of course. And uh, it was, uh, and of course, then I had to speak it so that the rec- recorder could take it down and, and get it into the congressional record. But mm-hmm. it was a it was a nice moment. That that is awesome. Well, <clears throat> Senator Harkin, I know that you're doing so much advocating for us. But right now, I know that you're working a lot on the Community Choice Act. Mm-hmm. That's true. I wondered if you wanted to talk about the Community Choice Act. Well, Joyce, I'm glad you brought it up because this is a struggle I've been on for many years. Again. And uh, it's just, it's one of those things that just cries out for fairness and equity. And, I, and here's, what, here's what I mean. Right now, under uh, federal law, Medicaid, Medicaid, if you're Medicaid eligible and, uh, and uh, you're a person with a disability, if you go to a nursing home, the nursing home must, must, has to pay for your um, housing and stuff at a nursing home. They must pay for your upkeep at a nursing home. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got that? Yes. However, let's say you're a person with a disability and you're Medicaid eligible, but you don't want to live in a nursing home. You'd rather live in your own community with your friends, your family, loved ones. Medicaid doesn't have to pay for that. Now, uh... now see, that's the unfairness of it. Mm. See, if you go to a nursing home, they'll pay for it, but if you don't, they won't. Now, some states have waivers. Some states have done pretty well on getting waivers, but the, the waiting line, the waiting list is so long, it discourages people. Or the amount of money they provide is so little, it doesn't mean much. Uh, and sometimes the waivers are good, and sometimes they're not. State law can change. So I've been on this for a long time. Actually, Joyce, back in the 90s, some of your listeners will remember we called it Mikasa. Mm-hmm. Remember that? It was called yeah. MACASA, the, the Medicaid Community Attendance Support and Services Act. It was so long, no one could ever remember what it stood for. But we tried getting that, and we never could get that done. And finally, that became what is now called the Community Choice Act, which I think better describes it. 
In other words, a person with a disability should not be forced to go to a nursing home to get what is rightfully theirs, which is Medicaid support. They ought to be able to choose. Do they want to go to a nursing home or do they want to live in a community? And we also know, we also have good data to show that for the cost of the upkeep of one person in a nursing home, you can support three people living by themselves or with a group home or with friends or by themselves. You can support three people living in the community. And plus, your quality of life is better. You have better choices. Um, uh, and so I've just been fighting so hard all these years to try to change the law uh, that a person would have that choice. You understand what the senator means tomorrow. God forbid you're in an accident. You're a young person. You you have quadriplegia, but you have no parents. You have no one. Medicaid, go to that nursing home. They'll say, oh, yes, we'll take care of you. But you say, I don't want to do that. I want to live in this home. I want to do something else. I don't want to be in a nursing home. Sorry, we won't pay for that. That's right. That's terrible. That is is absolutely terrible. Well, it is especially, especially, Joyce, since the Supreme Court in 1999, in a case that most of us refer to as the Olmstead case, yes. mm-hmm. so Georgia came out of the state of Georgia, the Supreme Court of the United States said that under the Americans with Disabilities Act, states must, must, not, not may, but must offer individuals with disabilities the choice to receive their care in a home and community-based setting. That's 10 years ago. And yet we still have over 600,000 people, maybe a few more, but at least 600,000 people in this country who qualify but don't get any support because they have chosen not to live in a nursing home. Oh, that is terrible. That is absolutely sinful. Now, what can we do about this, Senator? Her, all the listeners, what can they do to help you? Well, I'm trying to get the Community Choice Act to be a part of our health care reform bill. Now, uh, let me tell you that in the past, we had these huge amounts of money that was going to cost. That's why I could never get it passed in, 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 in the last few years, because it was going to cost, uh, what was the, it was 20, how much was the estimate? 10 to $20 billion a year. Well, we knew that was wrong, uh, but then we, we, but we didn't have any data. So finally, a Professor LaPlante from the University of California, if I'm not mistaken, did a good in-depth study, and he came up with a lot of different figures. And now we have a Congressional Budget Office figure that to do this would be about five, was it about five, about five, uh, about five billion a year. Yeah, five billion a year, not ten to twenty, but five. Right, right. Much better, much lower. Much lower, and even that I think is high because again, keep in mind that a lot of people who are living on the outside, who aren't in nursing homes, if they can get this supportive services, they can, like my nephew Kelly, go to work every day. You know, we changed, you know, in the ADA, we, we made all the curb cuts. We made buses accessible and, and subways accessible. We, we mandated that employers had to provide reasonable accommodations for people with disabilities on a job site. We did all that wonderful stuff, but if you're a person with a disability and you can't get out the door in the morning, you 
know, it doesn't do you much good. And so I always use my nephew Kelly as an example. I, I told you he's, he's a severe a paraplegic. He gets up in the morning, has a nurse come in, uh, works him, get, does, takes all care of all his physical functions that needs to be taken care of, gets him ready to go. Now, Kelly lives by himself, lives by himself. She comes in, gets him ready to go. He has his own breakfast. He gets his wheelchair, goes in his van, got a lift on his van, drives to work, does his work, comes home, stops, does some shopping, maybe at the grocery store or something like that, comes home, prepares his own dinner, and then the nurse comes in at night and does his exercises with him. He does exercises every night and, and then gets him ready for bed. That's all he needs. But if he didn't have that, he wouldn't be able to go to work every day. See what I mean? Now, that's what I think is going to happen out there. A lot of these people with people with disabilities out there, if they're given that kind of support, will be able to work. And that means they're going to be paying taxes, right? And that means it's going to cost us less because they'll be paying taxes into the system as working Americans. So many people with disabilities want to work, are qualified to work, but they don't have the supportive system to get them out the door in the morning or maybe even a little bit of support at work during the day, halfway through the day or something, or supportive services in the evening. So that's why I think even the $5 billion is probably a little high. So what your listeners can do is, is uh, uh, call, write, email the White House, um, email uh, the Senate Finance Committee and the House Ways and Means Committee and tell them that health care reform will not be true health care reform unless we have the Community Choice Act uh, as, as a part of it. Did you hear that, everyone? You've got to send those letters. It will make a difference. You are taking care of yourself and your family and others. Community Choice Act must be part of health care reform. You've got a senator out here fighting for you. Now, we have to do our part, and we have to get behind that. And, Senator Harkin, I think we have a caller on the line. We could only take a few callers, and I'm sorry because we didn't want to take up your time. But do we have a Laura on the line? Hello. 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 Laura. Hi, Laura. Senator, this is Laura Seen from Delaware. Yes, Laura. I just wanted to uh, say hello to the senator and thank him for all he does for the disability community. And Senator Harkin, Laura is from Delaware, and she is um, a young woman with a disability who has done work with uh, the campaigns down in Delaware and who is fighting to be a champion for young people with disabilities. Uh, good for you, Laura. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you on the show, and, uh, and uh, thank you for your advocacy, and, uh, and thank you for not just sitting back and letting the world go by. Thank you for being involved. Not a problem. Thanks, Laura. Keep up the good work. All right. And you know, just as Yoshiko Dart always says, we need young people with disabilities out there because we need future leaders in America. Absolutely. We need them out there. Right, Senator Harkin? Absolutely. And, you, know, these, you know, young people, you know, uh, as I say, to, I, don't, I don't, Laura, personally, but uh, the young people with disabilities have got to get out there and make their voices heard, their votes heard. They've got to get in businesses, and they've got to become business owners and executives. And, and uh, in politics, they've got to run for offices, uh, things like that. 
That's right. That's right. And and you can see that it does make a difference, even from this this election that we had. Um, and, and, you know, Senator Harkin, when you were talking about how your staff, you've had all these great people helping you, I want to tell you that uh, your staff is phenomenal because Lee Parsley gets back to me, and, you know, I am now the new chairman of the board of the National Epilepsy Foundation, and your entire staff, all of them, gets back to everyone on every issue but, of course, I guess, you know, you're the leader and you are making that impact. So. Well, you're nice to say that. Well, Lee personally is sitting here with me right now. I, I don't do anything without Lee. <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a great advocate, and he knows, he knows all the legal backgrounds of these things. And believe me, uh, he, uh, he keeps me going. Yeah, he is awesome. Well, you know, we were talking about the Community Choice Act, but I know there's you were talking about health care reform also. Now, that also impacts people with disabilities, not just with this Community Choice Act, but with provisions that you're working on there. Absolutely the true. Uh, let me just say one other thing about, about, uh, about uh, the Community Choice Act. Uh, President Obama, when he was a senator and was on our committee, our health committee, was a co-sponsor of my bill, the Community Choice Act. So when I said get your letters and calls in here, get them into the White House too and remind him, remind President Obama, you co-sponsored this bill, and remind President Obama that when he was campaigning for president, he pledged that he would support the Community Choice Act if elected president. Remind him of that. We need him on board this, okay? Well, you know what? That is a great challenge. That is a great challenge, and I will be repeating this every week this month on the show. Senator, when Senator Obama was senator before president, he That's signed right. on to this, and he said he would go take care of this when he became president. So you have to write a letter to President Barack Obama. What a great honor to do that. And remind him of that and tell him we need him to Absolutely. sign on. Thank you, Joyce. Well, listen, you also wanted to mention about health care reform, which we're working on, and, and every time issues come up, all I'm doing, I got, I got Lee with me all the time, we got our antenna up to make sure that people with disabilities aren't left out. And so a lot of the provisions we've put in there, uh, like uh, in my provisions on health and wellness, uh, we put uh, provisions uh, uh, for people with disabilities in there, such as requirement for accessible medical equipment. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from the disability community about how uh, they don't even have accessible medical equipment in many of our uh, uh, clinics and hospitals and things like that. Uh, I'm reminded of one woman who used a wheelchair, uh, went for her physical, and her physician said he couldn't weigh her and suggested that she go to the post office to get weighed. <gasps> you know? Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Yeah. That's terrible. It is. And so, and then I found that examining tables aren't universally designed uh, uh, for that. Um, and then I, I just used that the 2005 Surgeon General's report recommended promoting development and use of medical equipment that allows universal access to all recommended screenings and treatments. And um, uh, Section uh, 323 of the Senate Health Reform Bill that, that we have right now 
would give the United States Access Board the authority to develop standards about what constitutes accessible medical equipment for patients with disabilities. So that's in our bill right now. Oh, thank you so much. And that is so absolutely critically important. Um, as I mentioned, and I'm sorry, that we, listeners, that we can't take all of your calls, but we can take a few. Um, I think we have a caller on the li- okay. line right now. Judy, are you on? On the line. Judy, um, yes, Hello, ahead. Senator Harkin. My name is Judy Painter, and I'm from the Pittsburgh area, and I, I know Joyce well. And I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed listening to all of your comments, and I can just hear all the passion in your voice. I, too, grew up with a brother with a disability and saw uh, how he was treated. Uh, and uh, he was born uh, probably sometime in, in the 50s, and uh, people who uh, were born with, with a disability, he was born with a cleft palate, a cleft lip, and also mentally retarded. And, you know, they weren't allowed into schools, and they weren't allowed to receive education, and people made fun of them, and... And it, it just, there was no such thing as political correctness with people with disabilities in those days. And I think I've carried that with me, uh, throughout my life and, and, and is why I have so much passion for people with epilepsy who have been so stigmatized during their life. And, uh, I also want to thank you so much also for, uh, introducing the, uh, Affordable Health Choices Act. Uh, again, when we were all growing up, we all sort of put money into a, and if you happen to get sick, you know, then you were taken care of. And now it seems that people only want to treat people without a disability or without, you know, if you're absolutely healthy, then uh, they're more than happy to insure you. But if you have a disability or a pre-existing condition, then you have no choice. That's right. And, and That's Senator that. Harkin, Judy is the executive director of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central Pennsylvania. Oh, good for you. Well, Judy, thank you, and thanks for your your involvement and your leadership. I, the the, uh, the Affordable Health Choices Act, the public plan, the public option. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. We rolled it out last week. It's very strong. Uh, I don't and, have the whole thing, but I have it in front of me. Oh, that's great. Well, keep your fingers crossed. We don't. Well, yeah, and I think I agree with you. We need to do more than just cross our fingers with these things. We've got to work to, you know, to support this. You, uh, it's the people you, in the we, disability you know, community that have to stand up and, and fight for our rights. We, uh, do, we do need your help, and that's going to be coming up for vote in our committee tomorrow and Thursday. So well, now would be the time to make the switchboards uh, and, and light up and the emails and things like that come in here on the public option, and maybe you can talk some more about it, Judy. Oh, hey, you know we'll be on that. And, Judy, thank you so much for calling in. I'm sorry we can't be on that. No, no, that's, I, I understand what I'm Joyce, but I, I hope that uh, something will be coming out from the National Epilepsy Foundation office on, on this bill and asking people to support it. Yeah. You got it. You got it. I know the chair. <laughs> you take hey, care. Listen, thank you so much, have, Senator. Thank you for all so much, Judy. Bye-bye. Before, before you go, Senator, we have another caller on the line. Chris, are you on the line? Yes, I am. We have Hi, Commissioner Christine Griffin on the line. Oh. Hi, Senator Harkin. How Good. are you? Dean, it's nice to hear your voice. Oh, same here. I, I'm calling in as, as a woman with a disability to ask you a question about an issue that I I know you think is important too, and it's about accessibility of medical equipment. 
I think all people with disabilities, but especially women with disabilities, have great difficulty even when they can access good health care uh, services because the equipment that we need to use is not accessible, everything from exam tables to, uh, you know, machines that do mammograms, you name it. Um, these things are not accessible, and I know this is something you've thought about. Can you tell us about that? Well, uh, yes, uh, uh, Christine. Um, uh, am, I, am I correct that... Uh, are, are you a current? Are you you're the current EEOC, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yes. I'm, I'm right now. I'm the acting vice chair. That's right. That's right. And are you going over to OPM? I am. Hopefully, uh, I have a confirmation hearing next week. Ah, good for you. Well, that's great. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Now, you're, you're right. I just mentioned this a little bit ago. You know, as you know, um, uh, uh, I, I mentioned the woman who was told to go get weight at the at the, at the post office. Uh -huh. uh, women with major difficulties walking are 30% less likely than other women to have mammograms due to the lack of availability of accessible mammography equipment. Imagine that. Yeah. Women with mobility issues are also 40% less likely to be screened for cervical cancer because they can't get onto the fixed height examination table. Yeah. So and we got... We got data on this. Uh, the barriers to, to, to women having their with disabilities having their health taken care of are, are huge, and that's why we're in this bill. Uh, we're putting the provisions in there to begin the process as rapidly as possible, of making sure all of this is universally designed, so that they, that women with disabilities have total access uh, to, to medical devices and equipment. That's great. I, I can't thank you enough for that because I think it's one area that people just don't think about. And you, and it's absolutely true that, that women with mobility impairments just don't get the, the health care that they need um, because of these limitations. So yeah. Yeah, I, I really I want to thank you for actually thinking about that and, and making sure that it gets addressed. Well, we're, we're doing our darndest, and, I, and we've, we've got that in the bill, and we just now got to get it over the finish line, I guess. All right. Well, that's that's something that we can all work on as citizens of this country is is helping to support that um, that everyone in the Senate knows that that we want we want and need this this bill, and uh, we need access to good health care. So, well, Christine, so, thank you, thank you now, for your service on the EEOC. And listen, at OPM, you know, uh, there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of things we can be doing in the federal government, as you know, uh, to make it better for people with disabilities, too. Oh, exactly, yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to get over there and really start working with Director Berry and, and really making some changes. I, I think, you know, getting getting people with disabilities employed is is, is very important, too. And uh, I think, as you know, the, the federal government should be the model employer. So I'm, I'm looking forward to working on that. Any, and you know, you know do, what? Anything I can do to lend a helping hand, just let me know. All right, I will. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, listen, Commissioner Griffin. When you go over there as Deputy Director, you are going to be just a breath of fresh air. So I know you're going to rock and roll when you get there. All right, thanks, Chase. Thanks for thank all you, you do, and take care, everyone. Thanks, all right, thank bye. you. Bye. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and one in 10 Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. Now you know I know I told you that Senator Harkin was a powerhouse. (laughs) I bet you didn't believe what a powerhouse he is because there was a major power shortage at Voice America in Phoenix. But what can I say? We've got too much power with Senator Harkin. But, <laughs> Joyce. Uh, Joyce, is good to be with you. What a class act this man is. You know that? Here he is. Still here waiting, still on here to talk to you more. So, Senator Harkin, I did want to ask you one thing, and that is, you know, you, you have already done so much in your life. Oh, my goodness. You have achieved so much, so many great things you've done, what would you say is the proudest accomplishment in your entire life? Oh well, I, I there's just that that doesn't even take me a second to think about that. Uh, I the proudest accomplishment of my life was July the twenty sixth, nineteen eighty, nineteen eighty nine. I'm sorry, I'm, I get my years mixed up. July twenty sixth, nineteen eighty nine, when uh, I stood on the White House lawn and saw President Bush sign the Americans with Disabilities Act. Well, how what a great thing that would that was! I am sorry that I was not there, but I am sure that to you, you will never forget that day. Oh, it was! It, it was at that time, and I don't know if the record still holds. It was the largest gathering of people on the White House lawn for a bill signing in our nation's history. Wow! It was incredible the number of people there, people out with disabilities, families with people with disabilities. I mean, it was just. 
uh, it was just wonderful. And just the feeling and the euphoria that we finally had a major civil rights bill for people with disabilities. And I remember up on the platform, of course, was Justin Dart. Oh, Mm-hmm. And uh, he was the one that just sort of led this whole effort for years and years and years, and uh, I was so proud of him at that moment. But that, that I mean, I, I just, uh, and then, you know, I, one of the nice things about being around as long as I've been is that I can now look and see the changes that were brought about by that in our society. Tremendous change. And now a lot of young people, they just take it for granted, you know, they take it for granted that we have accessible buses, we have accessible, we have curb cuts, we have ramps, we have uh, accessible workplaces. Every building now being built in America, every building, must be universal design. I mean, that's... Phenomenal. That is phenomenal. So you look around and you see all these changes and, and it kind of makes you feel good, I'll tell you that. Well, Senator Harkin, between Twitter, which is where we advertise... And, of course, on our own website, we had so many people that wanted to call in and wanted to be on the show that we could not have them all on or you wouldn't be able to talk. So that's why we can only have a few on. But one of the main questions that was asked, there are two. And the first is, uh, Senator Harkin, you represent, to me, a great statesman in American history. You have done so much for Americans with disabilities. I wanted to ask you the question, what gave you this drive? Was it because of your brother? Was it a role model in your life? I mean, what gave you the perseverance to continue doing this at the beginning against all odds? Well, I I just think that uh, it was because of my brother, and uh, I got in Congress, and the first thing I did when I was in the House was I worked with a, a senator by, that, uh, by the name of Jennings Randolph at that time to uh, get a decoder uh, manufactured for the deaf and hard of hearing to decode closed captioning. And I remember we delivered the first set to uh, President Carter in the White House. I believe that would have been about 1978, if I'm not mistaken. And then incrementally we started the Closed Captioning Institute and you know, one thing led to another, and I kept, you know, I started small. I started with just a small thing, just something to help people with hearing difficulties. Then I thought, gee, there's a lot of other problems out there, too. And the more I got involved, the more I saw that, you know, there's a universe of people with disabilities that range from minor to major. And every single one of those individuals wants to be an active participant in American society. They want to be part of our communities, want to be part of our educational life, our social life. Uh, they want to be part of our political life. And they've just been kept out, uh, both by the physical barriers, but also by the, what should I say, the uh, um, um, uh, barriers of attitudinal barriers, the attitude of people mm-hmm. that somehow if you have a disability, you just can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And so I've tried through all these years both to, to take away the physical barriers, but also to attack the attitudinal barriers that people have. 
And I think one of the great things uh, that we did and I was involved in in the 70s was IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, which started to mainstream kids with disabilities in schools. I told you how my brother was taken away from our home and sent halfway across the state to go to a, a school. Well, now kids with disabilities can go to their local schools. And I'll never forget, I will never forget, Joyce, when my youngest daughter was in a in school, public school out here. She was in the third grade. And the uh, this would have been 1980, late 80s, late 80, USC, uh, I have to think about this, late 80s early 90s, they brought in the first child with a disability to, to be in that school. And the difference it made, it both was good for the young kid with a disability to be around people without disabilities, but it was good for the kids without disabilities to have that person in the classroom. And as these kids grew up and associated more and more with their peers with disabilities, their attitudes changed. Now, when they're adults, it's not a big deal to work alongside someone with a disability. So this has been one of the kind of wonderful things that I have seen develop over the last 20, 25 years is the change in attitudes of people. Well, Senator Harkin, I just want to tell you, you know, once again, how much we admire you and how we are all behind you, Senator Harkin. We are all behind you in anything we can do to help you, I'll tell you, I'll make my commitment as the National Chair of the Epilepsy Foundation and CEO of Bender, I'm there for you. Well, I, Joyce, you've been over-complimentary. You know... Um, That's because we don't have many like you, Senator Harkin. Well, but, you know, I, I just have to respond this way. You know... I, I get a lot of accolades and things like that, and I and I and I don't want to sound unappreciative. I I appreciate it very much, but more than anything, more than anything, I appreciate it when I see people with disabilities like you and so many others who just aren't willing, as I said earlier, to sit back and let the world go by, who overcome great, great uh, with great effort. Um, the, the inequalities that life has thrown at them. Uh, people who take so long just to get dressed in the morning and get out the door and they're willing to go out in the rain and the snow and no matter what it is to let people know that discrimination against people with disabilities is wrong. It's just it's morally wrong and it's wrong for our society. And I see people so many times that have so many burdens to overcome and yet they're willing to get out there and 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 uh, and make their case known, and and uh, and and make sure that our our public officials know that they're not just going to sit back and be quiet anymore. They're going to demand their rights, and these are the people I really admire. I, is that your message to us today, Senator Harkin? That we need to get out there and be the change. You've got to be the change that you want to see. You've got to be the change you want to see. And that means uh, don't ever take no for an answer or don't ever say, wait a minute, for an answer. You know, it may not get it right now, but we got to demand it right now, and that way we'll get it. Well, before you go, Senator Harkin, is there, are there any other messages or anything else you want to leave with our listeners? This will be heard throughout the world and replayed later on. I just want to make sure that you're getting to say everything you want to say. 
Well, Joyce, I think I've said everything. I just uh, again, uh, it's uh, it's it's a it's a process that has to continue. Uh, we aren't we aren't at the promised land yet. We've made some great strides in the past, but there's more to be done, and we need young people. I, and you stress that, Joyce. We need these young people with disabilities to get out there and get their voices known and to make sure that we break down more of the barriers that exist out there. I think that would be my final message. Well, Senator Harkin, we're going to listen to you. And what a way to start off this month, Senator Thomas Harkin. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Joyce Bender, thank you, and thank you so much for your great leadership and, and for making sure that people with disabilities know what's happening. That's vitally important, so I thank you for that. My pleasure. And listen, be the change. We'll see you next week on VoiceAmerica.com, where disability matters every single day. See you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.